I've always had this funny saying. It's funny because I came up with it. Editors save lives. Because, you know, in the field, sometimes we make mistakes. I know even though I made this this small mistake, the editor will be able to fix it or cut around it. Welcome to Network News on Location. I'm Larry Warner. This podcast is about crews working in network news and how they practice their craft. With me today is co-producer Brian Bayetta, a location sound mixer. You have written here, this is going to be a quick episode by our standards. And I was kind of shocked at what you wrote here because I didn't realize that we had standards. I like to, I like to pretend. <laughs> so what are we going to talk about? This podcast is not about me usually, but I got a beef and I'm going to get a little preachy here. In the field... You should do the best job you can with getting great audio and pretty pictures to tell a visual story. But if that's all you're worried about, you're phoning it in. I am a freelance camera operator, but I'm also a freelance editor. I was asked to pitch in during the pandemic for CBS News, and though I prefer being on the street, I found it to be a fantastic refresher on what to do and what not to do to speed up the production workflow. I really like this idea, Larry, because it's always, it's these basic type things that we need refreshers on just to remind ourselves. The amount of cameras we're shooting on in the field and all the sources. A GoPro shoot never has just one GoPro. There's so many sources of different things in, on one feature story and it can get just so crazy. And I'm glad we have the, a moment just to start a, an editor's point of view. On this bi-monthly edition of Network News on Location, Brian and I will talk about organizing your material in the field to make you a friend of the network news editor. And later, George Whipple, an editor with the L.A. Bureau of CBS News, will jump in with his thoughts. Well, let's start with what we're doing. I mean, what I generally like to do, and that is point a camera at somebody. Let's just kind of map it out on the procedure of what you should be doing in the field. Everybody in the field should be worried about synced audio. The cameraman, the audio mixer, the correspondent, the producer. The tips we're about to lay out can take 15 seconds in the field, but can save a half hour to an hour in the edit. And let's start with some of the basics. Talk about your time code slate. I actually find uh, that time code slates are really important. It offers like a basic analog way of syncing up sound with the clap. The time code that's rolling is like an added bonus. And I also find that those time code slates, but now that in the world of live views and satellite trucks that we still use sometimes, especially on fires, if you're uploading footage or, or basically feeding it back, you lose your time code track, obviously, when it get back to New York. If they are trying to rush a transcript, having the transcript match the time code of the original audio that you've been recording on is very important. The time code slate, yours has certain features. It does. Um, I have gone through all the different time code systems in my career. I've started with uh, Deneke. I had Mose Gears for a while. Now, I like to say I've graduated to Ambient, and they are the German-made, um, super high-quality uh time code devices. I actually have a master ambient clock that sits in my bag that's constantly being powered by a uh, its own internal battery as well as 
a USB thing. And so I can turn on and off my mixer at any given time, and it will fall in sync with my master clock. That master clock is also sending out a wireless signal to all my other ambient timecode devices, including the slate. No matter where I am or how often I get within range, my slate is always going to be updated with the current timecode. When you actually drop the clapper, what do you see? A lot of slates have different things that can happen when you drop that clapper. I have mine programmed to flash a really bright LED. As an editor, if you scrub to that frame, you will likely see a large red light, which might be easy to see if you're scrubbing back and forth to find that drop clapper. I have it programmed to whatever the time code is. When you drop that clapper, it holds for five seconds. And so it gives the editor two or three seconds of how long I'm keeping that slate up in front of the camera. So the editor knows like, okay, he dropped the slate at that particular time code. You've commented before that as an editor, you love the slate when it holds that time code. Why is that? Yes, I do. I, I just hit pause and then I write down that time code and then I'll slide it back to wherever the actual clap is because sometimes it says just zero, 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 zero across there. If you're just dropping it and it doesn't freeze, you might see half an, a number on the frame or something just the way the sync up is. Oh, interesting. So that's something I've never heard before. Yeah, sometimes you'll see a half a frame, like it's, it's like rolling over to the next frame. As far as your time code setup is concerned, that right there is the time code. And I can write that down and then move on to the next thing. Absent a time code slate, what's the next best thing? It's a clap. A hand clap is pretty usual and normal for a lot of our productions and news because we just don't have time to walk in there. The next important thing is with that slate, with that hand clap, is that you have to tell the camera what file you're on. Now, on a normal slate, you would put take one. And what I do is I put the file name of whatever I'm rolling on. You're basically having a conversation with the editor when you come in and do the do the clap. You're giving them notes. And so you say, what I always say is I come in there with the slate and I say, hey, this is uh, Professor so-and-so. There's three cameras on the shoot, A, B, and C. This is wave file, take one, mark. I usually slap, uh, you know, one camera in or both cameras in one direction and then a B camera in another direction. And so you have to have that little conversation with the editor so you know what they need to look for. Because sometimes they may get the audio wave files separate from the hard drive. With Latiku on NBC or Sony CI at CBS, they may get all those files at different times and at different locations. Have a tiny little conversation with your editor when you drop that clapper. But that sync clap, you know, you don't have a time code slate. You're out running around doing something and... So Larry, what happens when someone just goes in front of the camera, claps, and then that's it? How do you know as an editor, well, where does that clap land on the audio track? If you start and stop the audio recording and the cameras at the same time, it kind of gives you a roadmap of where these audio files are. If you're not doing that and you're just rolling one continuous stream of audio, you don't know what clap they're referencing uh, on the audio, if you're listening to the audio. It'd be best if there were multiple audio files labeled appropriately. You can at least sort out where in the world this audio file was taken. And let's, let's talk about like a typical two characters driving a car. Uh, you have a correspondent in the p front passenger seat. You have the character driving the car. You have two or three GoPros in the windshield. And then what we'll do is probably a bag drop, right? That's kind of a linear shoot. That's kind of basic and forward because all the cameras roll at the same time. 
Right. And you have a claps link and they go for a drive and then they're done. Let's try and start and stop the audio recording and the cameras at the same time. And if you can, please use a time code slate or at least, you know, sync slap it. Because uh, otherwise you've left it to the editor to try and sync it up by what is spoken in the car or the vehicle or whatever situation you put the GoPros up with. That is not an optimal situation. You've just built a lot of time into the edit that is housekeeping. So how? So there are some situations, Larry, where we have to do a backdrop and we have to roll all the time. So how could we help out the editor throughout those long rolls? We just slide it at the top. Okay, slide it at the top. But like, what if, what if the shoot involves starting and stopping cameras, uh, but the audio rolls the whole time? How do we? Why help would the they editor? start and stop the cameras? If it's a GoPro, why are they even messing with the cameras? The bottom line is you start the camera, you start the audio, you slap sync. You stop the camera, you stop the audio. Larry, I have to make the point. There's some times where with all the different cameras cameramen are using now, you have a guy driving a boat. So we're following this guy driving a boat. While that guy is having a conversation with another character in the front seat, I'm keeping my mixer rolling the whole time. Right. While the cameraman picks up his Ronin and shoots the scene with a Ronin. Then he puts that Ronin down, and then he takes another camera, a shoulder camera, and then shoots whatever, boat to boat. For me as a sound guy, it doesn't make sense to stop that roll. Is the sound being recorded on the Ronin? In my shoots, yeah. I, I try to put audio on and everything. Is the sound being recorded on his other camera? Yeah. Put a GoPro on the boat, time code slate it. If you're not feeding time code to the other two cameras, time code slate those two. At least that gives me a reference. Hey, Larry, could we talk about tail slates? Sure, let's go, let's go for it. I'm a big okay. fan of tail slates. Um, you know, traditionally tail slates in cinema, what you do is you present the camera with the slate upside down. And there's two ways of doing this. You present the slate to the camera upside down, and then you turn it right side up and say tail slate, mark, and give your take number. Or you can hold it upside down and tail slate from underneath. The reason of that in the tail slate is so when, when you're... You as an editor, you're scrubbing through that footage and you notice at the top of that clip, there's no slate. If you're scrubbing, scrubbing, scrubbing and see an upside down slate, it's a quick visual to know that like, oh, they tail slated this, this piece. Suppose we just have to roll and just go with it. We will say visually, just tail slate it, tail slate it, tail slate it. And so sometimes there's audio at the top of the crew saying, we'll just tail slate it. And sometimes there's not. But when you get that visual cue at the end, then you know that it's going to be tail slated. Well, not only a tail slap, but I'll take a sink slap. Anything. Anything. But I can make a sub clip and take that sink slap, and then I'll just drag that video back out to the beginning of the clip. And there's, there's a process in editing that you can sync multiple cameras with audio, and it just kind of like sits in the bin as one big lump that you can cut back and forth to. It's awesome. Right. Uh, but you need something to sync it with. Let's bring in George to this conversation. George Whipple, an editor with CBS News at the L.A. Bureau and has been practicing his craft for 23 years, is with us. Welcome aboard, George. Hey, how are you doing? GoPros and iPhones. These are becoming, and producer cameras, these are becoming very prevalent in network news pieces. The bane of everybody's existence. That's correct, because you got to process... <laughs> All that footage before you can use it, right? Let's say for Avid editing, I have to transcode all that stuff to then put in the system. Transcoding for people is converting 
the footage into an Avid file and then importing it. Let's say with Final Cut or some of the other systems, you can just drag the, the file straight in. GoPros is a multi-step process, in a sense, for Avid people. Our office, we have a media manager that who does a lot of that stuff. Oh, really? A lot of times he's slammed too. So it depends on when you get the project. I still have to do a lot of it on my own. Our media manager will go to the, to the step of actually just getting it off the card and putting it in on a hard drive for us or on the, our internal terabyte system. I can drag it off of that, transcode it, and then import it to the Avid myself. Are you using Adobe Media Encoder or are you using something else? Adobe Media Encoder. Here's what I do when I shoot GoPro. And I'm, I always felt bad for the editors. So if I had like three cameras in a car mm. or an airplane or something like that, and there's audio recorded, I transcode it to XT game format and then put the audio on the uh, clip. Oh, and that's then nice. I send it off. You saved whoever you were editing with a heck of a lot of time because that's another pain to go back to your time code thing, every GoPro clip basically starts at zero, 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 zero. Right. So even if you're shooting in your camera, you're shooting the same scene and you guys stop at the same time, your time code is still continuous, you know, unless you're shooting time of day, but you still have a continuous time code. So there's a reference if you both stopped at the same time and started again at the same time, where a GoPro just starts over. Yeah, it does. It starts over. If you're able to sync clap a GoPro after every clip, that'd be great. For the most part, if you're shooting GoPro continuous, it creates its own clips when you're trying to import them into something. It shoots in about, what, 13, 14, 15 minute increments, or and less. then it stops, or less. And, and then it starts another one. That's another issue of editing with GoPros. You might have an A cam, a B cam, and then a GoPro cam, and you might have five or six group clips because there's five or six GoPros, the first two, the A and B camera are the same. Basically group that clip five times for no reason because of the GoPro. A clap, a sync clap always works for me. Or the clap, I don't necessarily use the clap all the time. I always try to use the first word after the clap. Because sometimes this, the audio in this, you can slow-mo the first word after the clap on each camera. To me, I feel like I'm more accurate that way than I am with the... You don't look at the waveform file and line them up? For me, I do it by sound because I can slow-mo it and make it sound the exact same. I'm pretty much 100% every time. Oh, okay. Everybody has their own way. The bottom line is the sync slap helps, even if it's at the end. Yes, it does. The GoPros are good about not dropping frames when it starts a new clip. And I'll stack all those up in a timeline, and then I'll export that into a file. Then I'll look at the timecode slate, because I always want a timecode slate. And I say, okay, mm -hmm. that's the start of that timecode right there. And I restripe it with that timecode. Then I sync the audio to it, and then I export it again. Mm -hmm. But that's me. I think if the cameraman did that, he's got to have time to do it. He's familiar with the footage. He's familiar with what he did. It's not a puzzle. It's going to be faster for him to do it than it is for the editor to do it. Most cameramen don't think like that, though, unfortunately. I agree with you on that. A lot of cameramen aren't equipped for that. I'm not saying, trying to say they're not smart or anything. It's not like that. They're not dealing with the technology in-house that we're dealing with unless they've been an editor or they just want to be up on the latest technology. I found ways in which I can get audio laid onto GoPros and to iPhones, which I'm very proud of. Some producers say like, oh, we don't need it. We don't need it. But I just know that anytime you can get audio onto these devices, it's just better for the editor. There's a problem with that. Okay. The GoPros and the iPhones shoot non-drop. So if right. you have synced audio recorded with it and you take those 
you know, little minuscule frame parts out, that drop frame out, now the audio that you have synced with it prior to processing is now out of sync with everything else. If it's a standalone recording, that's not a problem. But if you're syncing it to other cameras, that's a problem. Interesting. You're right, because if you have a non-drop source and a drop frame source, both with the same audio, they will drift apart. Guess what they, the time code is every time you start and stop a uh, iPhone? I would think it would have some sort of metadata stamp from the cellular clock. Well, it probably does if you're looking at it in your iPhone. <laughs> But when you drag it into but you, when you drag NLE, it somewhere else there. and feed it to Sony C, it starts with 0. 0.00. Wow. And that's it. That's what you get. And so you can have multiple clips all with the same time code. All with the same time code. Please slap sync or time code select your GoPros and iPhones. Please. Sync boxes. There's a lot of brands out there, but they all do basically one thing. Can I tell you a gripe? I have with everybody, Larry, with the time code boxes. Sure. How many different flavors of Velcro do you have on all your cameras right now? Including the parts that strip the paint off when the other people peeled theirs <laughs> off to put theirs on it? Yes. <laughs> uh, I've got I've got them on my batteries. I've got them right. on the side of my camera. Yeah. I've got these it's plastic like, things. It's, it's like a trail of every sound mixer out there has their own stamp of Velcro on there. It's more like they're marking their territory like any yes. other mutt in the woods. Yes. And I like to say that I use a 3M product that's a five-pound double stick tape that does not leave a residue. And I love this tape, Larry, because you can put it on any surface. You stick it on, take it off with just a quick flick of the wrist, no residue. And so have you ever tried to take off Velcro off your camera after heating a bunch of heat cycles in your car? Like it turns into like this gooey mess. And I just wish we can all be responsible and take care of our trash. The sound guy is probably not going to use the same flavor of Velcro as the next, as the next guy. There's my gripe about Velcro. I think that was product placement. If we can get How 3M much are you to sponsor paid this. by 3M. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's one of my gripes. There's several different uh, brands out there. You got Denicky, Betso, Tentacles, there's Ambient Boxes, and there's a couple thrown, Mose Gear, there's a couple thrown in there that are kind of bizarre and not kind of mainstream. But what, what do they all basically do? They all tell the cameras where we are. Any sort of device on the shoot that has a timecode track, you're telling with an external device where the audio mixers audio is. The other night I was driving home from Stockton, California at night. It was 10 p.m. It was all dark. And when you're driving west, you see all the windmills in the distance. All these windmills have a red FAA light on them. And as you're driving by, you see that they all blink perfectly in sync. When I look at that landscape at night and you see red lights all blinking at the same time, you technically know that they're all not connected via timecode. They're probably using atomic clock sync pulse systems, but that's exactly how timecode works. It's a wireless way of telling all the clocks on the shoot where everyone is. I was trying to figure out where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know the reason why they have them all flash at the same time. Maybe pilots have complained while flying at night. Hey, I see this sea of lights. They're all red and it's disorienting. And so if mm -hmm. they all go off at once, it's less disorienting. Maybe. I don't know what's up with that, but it is interesting they're synced. And yeah, you know, there's not a wire running between each one of them keeping them synced. So there's some right. sort of GPS clock they, that's keeping they, us synced. Actually, up. you're right. It's probably the GPS clock. And that is a razor sharp clock that so many different systems use for clock sync in many different industries. There is the getting of the material 
off the set and into the hands of the editor. And there's two ways of doing it now, pretty much, and that is a some sort of file delivery system over the internet. CBS News uses Sony C or Sony CI. I don't know what NBC uses. NBC uses Latiku. There's the Live View and or what other bonded cellular is what it's called. ABC uses uh, TVUs, but I think they also have the capability of Live Views. And there's also DeGero. You see fewer and fewer of those. What's great about Bonded cellular is you can feed it while you're shooting it. What's bad about bonded cellular is you can feed it while you're shooting it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, I can't tell you how many times where you're feeding it and it's on a 10 second delay, right? Right. And it causes all sorts of confusion. New York freaks out about something and then you fix it, but they don't understand the fix till 30 seconds later. And you get into this like cycle of blame and something's wrong. Until you realize, oh, they're seeing it 30 seconds later after we fixed it. I mean, you can make, you can get it down to like a second or a second, you know, and a quarter. You have dangers of interference with the signal that can romp on it, and you're going to end up having to feed it again later. Sure. Uh, but the big drawback with uh, the live views or any other bonded cellular system is you're limited to two channels of audio, unless they've changed that recently. Are you familiar with that? Depending on the settings of the live view, there can be three and four channels, three and four. User results may vary, but that three and four channel is, it's good to know if it indeed will feed or not, because it affects the way you shoot things, right? And so if you're shooting B-roll with one and two not turned on, disconnected from the sound guy, or you don't have a sound guy, then you need to be aware of that because you're not feeding three and four on most setups. Now, if they've changed that, that's a different matter. I've noticed a couple times, depending on the client and depending on which router and encoder is taking it down in New York, you can be outputting four channels of audio here on your live view. But in New York, they may not have three and four routed at all. They could just be floating there. So you think you're sending your camera mic on three and four, but in reality, they're not even receiving it anywhere in New York. So when you're talking to Ingest in New York, uh, you need to make sure, hey, I have some ambient sound on three and four. It would be better for the shoot. Make sure you get it. Or they can might have to switch encoders that can accompany that. So that's one downside. The other downside is no time code. The time code that is being recorded on the other end at the receive point is time of day. Not only is it time of day that's being recorded, but it's the time of day that is the location of the recording being received. If you're feeding from California to New York, the time code recorded on that recording is New York time. George Whipple, uh, time code, how important is that to you? Since we have the phrase file now, it's not as much as important. When somebody's logging something, that's where it's important to me because now they're using this thing called Trent or... Verbatim. Verbatim, yeah. Time code helps with that if it was consistent because then I could, you know, I can get the sound bite, I can get the shot, I can get whatever I want. In verbatim, they're just taking it from zero to, let's say, 13 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever, how long the interview is. So I miss that and I think time code's important that way because it was so much easier to find a shot that way. They're just getting what they have, but they're not getting the correct time code. So when I'm in edit, they're saying, oh, 13 minutes in. So I have to go try to do an in and out and find the exact 13 minutes in. Is it 13 minutes in when you start shooting something or is it 13 minutes in from when they start talking? If you're using time code, you're not counting that. You're not trying to set it in and out. You're not trying to guesstimate where the bite is. You know where the bite is. As far as syncing cameras and stuff like that, how important is time code? 
with using phrase find the avid it doesn't make it as important as it used to be all you have to do is let's say if you're syncing four cameras five cameras three cameras now in the avid you don't even have to sync by time code you can sync by matching waveform you do sync the cameras up i do sync the cameras up all the time if we have multiple interviews i'm always syncing the cameras up i think all of us now because of technology that is easier to sync cameras the machine is doing the the waveforms or the sound instead of time code time code is still the safest way if everything's the same time code, syncing it with the waveforms has been a game changer. I'll, I'll say that. Sometimes you got a silent camera, though. If you have a silent camera, then time code is always the best safety net. Or also the sync clap. Or the sync clap, correct. Let's just talk about how you would like people to organize the material coming in. Everybody has their own style. But let's say, again, if you're working with a producer who has multiple editors on something... He or she will tell you how they want the bins labeled because they're pretty much on top of it because they have to be because they keep getting somebody different to work with. Labeling is, is key. If you have multiple interviews in a project, label who the interviews are. If you have a specific area like you're doing testing on a car, you have multiple locations, say B-roll of t car testing Los Angeles, B-roll car testing San Francisco. Be specific on that. Do those wave files, should they be labeled the same as well? I would say, yeah. There's so much that could be streamlined if we all worked better together to make it easier. The editor's never going to be able to go on the shoot. But if the editor is informed about the piece he's going to edit, he and the photographer or she and the photographer could talk about, hey, what do you think you might need? That might make something easier too. Or what do you think is best to shoot? Or or even if the photog sits in on the inter on the edit and say, hey, I have this shot, is, is able to. Again, it's something that may not be able to happen. But you used to be able to go in and a photographer would come in and suggest, hey, I shot this. You might want to look at this. This looks really good. I think this would help the piece. That's some of the things I miss too. It's a team thing. If they're thinking about something, I think the the shoots and the edits go in harmony when everybody kind of lives up to their lives up to their part. Nobody wants somebody overbearing on a shoot. But if you have a suggestion, say it. George. Yes, sir. Thanks for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks, Larry. I'm your host, Larry Warner. Co-producer, Brian Bayetta. Tag us out. If you want to learn more about our guests, go to the Network News On Location show notes for links on the podcast platform of your choice. If you like this episode, subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts. If you listen to the episode on Apple Podcasts, give us a like or a review. Today's episode was produced by Brian Bayetta and Larry Warner and edited by Larry Warner. Network News On Location is a production of LWP, Inc.